Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Good afternoon, everybody. Hope you guys had a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. Bill and and gentlemen, it's good to see you guys again. How's everybody? Very good seeing you, Kurt. Away we go. Lots going on. Lot. This is going to be heavy, guys. A heavy show. Episode 29. And I said at the outset, we're going to stick to baseball and stay with baseball. And we're going to stay inside of baseball in this show, too. But some idiocy has happened, and uh, it has to be talked about. Especially in the day and age of social media canceling, LGBTQ+. A, B, C, D, E, F, G stuff. The Dodgers, let's let's walk you through this. The Dodgers, uh, we're going to have a day. It's Pride Month, which began June 1st. They get a whole month, by the way. The Dodgers were going to have a Pride Day. And on that Pride Day, they invited a group called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. And we won't show video because it's gross. It's horrible to look at. And it's, I don't know who, anyone who's entertained, especially no one below the age of 18. And people above the age of 18 probably aren't. Anyway. They decided they were going to do that and have invite this group, Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Now, their entire show centers around uh, mocking Catholicism, the Catholic faith. The Dodgers understand very little in the way of, of how things work as you go through this scenario. So anyway, they get invited. Uh, a local group of Catholics reached out to the Dodgers and said, this is a very offensive group of people. They do nothing but mock the Catholic religion and all the things that the left perpetuates and says is hateful and all the that this is what they do and the dodgers said oh you know what we looked at it and apparently somebody hadn't watched the video before then they did they canceled the invitation as we all know the vocal minority uh lgbtq plus community came out and went nuts and went crazy and the media jumped on the bandwagon with them and i say the media as if i'm not included i'm not included in this media when i talk about media and me being part of the media the show being part of the media we're not part of that media, part of the agenda driving, lying, fake media that pushes a, an agenda or a narrative that we've come to so know and love. So they canceled. The LGBTQ plus community went crazy. And the Dodgers decided that pissing off 1.3 billion Catholics was a much smarter move than the 62 people who belong to the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, none of who would have been at the Dodger game without the invite. Not only that. But the Dodgers decided, you know what? Not only are we going to invite them, we're going to give them a community award because they've done so much good in the community, of, of none of which I have any idea it is. Maybe they have. Anyway, now we have another corporation, another big business, acting as stupid as a petulant teenager uh, would act or a seven-year-old in the cereal aisle who is not going to get his Cocoa Puffs and refuses to get off the ground and stop squealing and screaming. An unknown or an unexpected byproduct of this came out. Dodger pitcher Blake Trenian uh, wrote a letter. Blake is Catholic. And in the letter, he stated he was very offended that the Dodgers were inviting this group. In this day and age, that takes some cojones because the media is going to crush you. The liberal media and the liberal sports writers, uh, being who they are, is going to crush you. And they did. And then uh, Clayton Kershaw came out and tweeted and basically said, I don't agree with making fun of other people's religions, Kershaw said. It has nothing to do with anything other than that. 
I just don't think that no matter what religion you are, you should make fun of somebody else's religion. So that's something that I definitely don't agree with. He was basically light-handedly, light-heartedly saying, you know, this group is offensive and I don't agree with their message, which is what conservatives generally do. We'll actually get to another gentleman in, in Toronto uh, in a minute because Canada is all kinds of crazy. But the fact of the matter is the players came out and said something. A couple things. First of all, like I said, I'm pretty sure 1.3 billion Catholics outweighs the, what, 1,100 people in the LG that are actually trans, part of the community in LA or whatever that is. Uh, although in LA, it's probably a much higher number. This gets back to, if you've watched over the last, in the real world over the last 60 to 80 days, You've seen uh, Target and North Face and a bunch of different companies absolutely get destroyed from they've lost billions and billions of dollars in valuation and in in, uh, in asset value. Because as conservatives, we recognize that capitalism is the most kick ass thing on the planet and we get to vote and we get to boycott with our dollars. Now, here's the problem. Since 1776, as conservatives, we fought for the same things. The Second Amendment, the First Amendment, the Fourth Amendment, freedom to live life, uh, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those, the, our, our battlegrounds have never changed. They'll fluctuate and, and the intensity will vary, but they'll never change. They're always centered around the same things. That's why we fought the Civil War, right? And if you look at the left, their battle, the hill they picked to die on, is basically a bi-weekly thing. And the, the topic changes, I mean, hello, North Carolina gender bathroom laws. They were going to boycott the state of North Carolina, right? How'd that go? When the left boycotts and and, and to jump off and to go, uh, if you guys have followed the Target story at all, Target put up a big LGBTQ plus inclusive display across all their stores. They, mar they marched it front and center to the Target stores. A lot of this was very uh, kid-oriented, child or aimed at children, about a week later, the LGBTQ community was ecstatic and, and all the things that go with that. Well, Target found out that the LGBTQ community, their purchasing power and their their impact on the Target's bottom line is pretty much insignificant. And the only thing that they have is a loud, loud voice because the media parrots that. Well, Target decided they were going to be the Dodgers and make another stupid decision on top of one they've already made. And they took the displays and moved them to the backs of the stores. Now, the tolerant left is not only up in arms and screaming out loud about it, but they're threatening to blow up Target stores, which is what you generally do as a tolerant, inclusive group, right? And Target's removing items uh, from the display that are aimed at children because basically their shopping bay, the people that shop there, which are, for the most part, Americans, legal American citizens of all races, creeds, sexes, and colors, and even part of the LGBTQ community, recognize that there's nothing appropriate about this in any way. Now, I can speak for most people that aren't part of that community. There are people that are offended. I, I generally, and when I say I don't care, it doesn't mean I don't care about the people. What I care about is when it becomes part of my life that I have to deal with. Do what you want to do on your own time, in your own place. That's fine. If you're going to become part of a, a product line at a store, I'm just not going to shop at that store, which is exactly what happened. Target's value, the uh, evaluation has gone through the floor. They've lost billions of dollars because the conservative, the normal American people decided they weren't going to shop there. And so Target, Target said that they got threats, which is a lie, because we know in this day and age, if the media, much like the, the with the Dodgers, if people were threatening, people were threatening the left, the media would be parroting, tweeting. Every social media platform in the world would have these threats front and center, and they would be 
given a name or a group because they could assign hate to those groups as opposed to uh, I have philosophical I, I, I disbelieve or I have philosophical differences with this. It, it's not about that. It's all about hate to the left. The Dodgers are finding out front and center. To bring it back to the baseball angle, when you talk about stuff like this, and I said earlier, this sort of stuff has a direct tie. Your batting average, your ERA, and your contract value are all the predetermined things that dictate whether you can speak out or not. If you don't have really good batting average, really good ERA, or massive contract, you're generally not going to going to say or do much, is what, which is what we found out about um, Anthony Bass in Toronto. When the face of the team comes out and says something like that, and, and, and there were, uh, it was a much different environment, but I was that guy for, for years in Philadelphia. A lot of times you're going to have 20 to 20, 20 to 23 guys in the clubhouse off record, out of sight when the media's not loitering saying, thank you. Thanks, dude. I, I can't say it. I'm glad you did. Which we're we're in a day and age where that's happening to a lot of people. The amount of the volume of input I receive in social media from people saying, you know, I can't say what you said, but thank you for saying it because these people lose their jobs and, or lose their their social standing or status, um, which is obviously more important to them than the message we're carrying. We're in the cancel culture, and 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 athletes as Anthony Bass is finding out, don't want to be in the middle of this. And and to, to so Anthony Bass apparently sent out, he's a pitcher for the Blue Jays, a reliever. He sent out a tweet. Here's the reason biblically why I believe Christians have got to be boycotting Target, Bud Light, and any other corporation that's pushing the things they're pushing. I think a lot of people make this into a political issue or they say, oh, what's the big deal? The clip later says, this is evil. This is demonic. We won't stand for it. We're not going to, to the stores anymore. We're not going to give you our money. Clearly, someone who has philosophical differences and, and ethic and, and moral problems with this. Because here's the thing. They're not pushing the LGBTQ message. They're pushing child porn, basically. Uh, they're pushing perversion at a level that's awkward and uncomfortable and hard to watch. Now, again, you want to do that in your own home? I don't care. You want to do that in your own community? Nobody cares. I promise you that the Dodger game that has Pride Day, there will be no fans boycotting no lgbtq community members boycotting the game there might be a couple extra people there just to go cheer the dodgers on because california is california but i'll bet you if you wanted to percentage out season ticket sales there are 50 to 100 times more catholics on the season ticket sales than there are non-catholics and members of this community and let's not forget catholicism is an insanely integral foundational piece in the in latin america and if you remember, if you know L.A., it is has an, a massive Latin American community. The Latin American ca Catholics, this is offensive. This, 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 is, this group mocks, openly mocks Catholicism. And while you certainly, I want them to have the right to do that, I think if you're a business promoting this stuff, you're idiots. You're stupid. You, you're asking for trouble, especially when the product sells itself, as, as the Dodgers do. Getting involved in this stuff is going to do nothing nothing beneficial for the Dodgers and it'll probably hurt them financially. Hopefully Catholic Dodger fans, and I believe they will, will make their presence felt and known, but moving north of the border, Anthony Bass made that tweet. You know, initially I thought, wow, you know, this is a guy who's getting after the message a little bit. Well, the next day, uh, unfortunately I watched his incredibly cringeworthy apology. You know, I guess in a way I understood why he did it because he didn't want to be canceled. But Anthony Bass is the kind of guy who doesn't have the ERA, doesn't have the contract to speak up on these topics. And I know that that sounds terrible, but that's the truth. Because if Mike Trout came out and said something on behalf of Catholics around the world, nothing would happen. Nothing.
fans, some some LGBTQ fans might boo him, but the Angels wouldn't do anything or say anything. They might distance themselves from the comment or opinion, but they wouldn't Anthony Bassum. And by that, I mean, this was probably done under uh, a significant amount of duress because Anthony came out and said, after addressing my teammates, and his teammates didn't need to be addressed. They don't give a crap. They, they want to win games and win a World Series. This stuff just becomes superfluous in the clubhouse and and a problem. So the LGBTQ community got its result because they're, a, a writer in, in Toronto wrote an article asking for the Blue Jays to release him because of his tweets, his hateful tweets. And he came in to pitch the ninth inning uh, on Wednesday through an inning and was booed going to the mound by his home fans. So the 22 people in, in the stadium were, the stadium was quiet enough for them to be heard. Uh, and then, you know, Canada is Canada, uh, as liberal as it can be. Speaking of clubhouses, let's move uh, south of the border and to the West Coast. I've been wondering, and Bill, you know, I've talked about this a couple of times. Bob Melvin's one of my favorite people in baseball in my career. I thought he was uh, one of the best coaches I've ever been around. Certainly one of the best managers. I never played for him. You know, in many ways, he was the manager of that 2001 team. Uh, but uh, the Padres have struggled despite a, what is it, $246 million payroll, which is neither here nor there. But the fact of the matter is after 53 games, they were 24 and 29. Basically, uh, what, two games better than a than a $102 million team, which again, that stuff is is neither here nor there. San Diego Tribune's Kevin Ossie came out with a great piece detailing the many issues within the Padres system right now. And he revealed that the aura within the group is definitely down. He further expanded by saying that sources, and let me just say that word very loudly, sources within the organization have claimed that the team began splitting apart about a month ago. Now, before I go any farther, let me just explain how that works. Generally, writers can make stuff up. And they do. They Because they loiter in the clubhouse. The dynamic is that the writers are allowed in at X time before batting practice. Generally, they stand, they stand in the corner like the really awkward boy at the dance with the braces and the bad shoes who stands in the corner looking for somebody to, to dance with. And they kind of look at their toes and talk to each other. And every now and then one will peel off and, and try and dive bomb a player for an interview. But they loiter. And they'll hear things off the cuff. And I say this because in 2004... During the postseason, we were or late in the season. We were in New York and I had shown up and, and, you know, preparation was my thing when I pitched. We had a pitcher's meeting in uh, New York and I wasn't in the pitcher's meeting and I had gotten to the park a little after that. And I was lockering next to Jason Veritek and Jason, who uh, has, a, has a very dry sense of humor, said something to the effect of, you know, you got to something to the effect of you missed the pitcher's meeting and he chastised me. And, we, and it was kind of like a, in a smart, sarcastic, uh, smart alecky voice. And I kind of said something back and we, you know, whatever the next day in the paper, John Hyman, who has made up millions of stories in his career published that there was a riff in the locker room and that Jason and I were ha had a fight. And then when I called him out on it the next day, which of course, you know, I would, he said that he heard what he heard. Well, he didn't. And, and so when I, when I say sources, I do that very cautiously but that does, for me, sort of explain what we're watching happen in San Diego. And I think the reason I'm so stunned by this, Bill, is that, you know, I've talked about Bob Melvin uh, since this show started, my immense amount of respect for him, and that, that really trying to understand how they are and why they are where they are. This is certainly potentially one answer. And I say that for this reason. In the new school and the new age of baseball, that veteran David Ross, Darren Dalton leadership type guy is worth his weight beyond gold 
uh, worth his weight in platinum. Because when you have young stars running a clubhouse, this this is almost like uh, a picture of Washington crossing the Delaware, sitting down in the boat. Uh, they don't have a leader in that clubhouse because if they did, this never would have made the press never would have gotten to the media because a, a clubhouse leader would have shut this down and had a clubhouse meeting and say, listen, you guys go in the corner and throw hands. You guys go in the corner, but there better not be one word in the media about us not getting along or you'll, or I'll make sure that you throw hands with me. They don't well, have you, that. You, you look at that collection of stars, Kurt, and right. that's exactly what it is. Yep. But yep. nobody's stepped up. No, nobody is leading this club behind the scenes. And a guy like Bob Melvin, who came up when he came up and had the teams he had for the most part, always had uh, Mark Kotze in Oakland or or somebody, a, a Chavez, somebody in the clubhouse that I don't need to be in the clubhouse. The clubhouse can take care of itself. And if it can't, this guy will take care of it. That guy doesn't exist in San Diego. And that's a problem. That, that uh, San Diego fans. So, by the way, uh, their record is identical to the 2022 Phillies, one game worse than the 2021 Braves, two games better than the 2019 Nationals, and one game worse than the 2018 Dodgers after 53 games. All of those teams made the World Series. So it's not out of the uh, realm of possibility. It's certainly within the scope of reason. But if that stuff doesn't fix itself, if somebody doesn't stand up and have a team meeting and say, guys, enough, at 7.05, we win and nothing else matters. They're not going to. Well, I, I, I was looking at the standings today, Kurt. They they scored the seventh lowest amount of runs in Major League Baseball with that lineup. You well, you but can't. part of that is always here's the thing: when you build a ballpark like they did in San Diego, you're going to expect diminished offensive output. The thing about it is, it takes a tremendous offensive team and brings them closer to a level playing field when they're playing at home. If they're playing in Fenway, their numbers, I guarantee you, you look at the spray charts and the plot graphs for hitting, their numbers would be drastically different than they are in San Diego. So what it does, San Diego's ballpark makes your pitching a little bit better than it otherwise might be. It brings a, a substandard pitching staff closer to the norm, and it takes an above-average offense and brings it back. Now, when you go on the road, those things are I, – I'd be curious to know what their runs scored, runs against. It, it's plus one. Home, home and road. I would. Oh, be very home and curious. road. I haven't. I haven't yeah. checked. But their run differential right now is plus one. Right. Right. And they're five and, games under five hundred. Yep. And, and so that and you can attribute some of that to whenever your 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 run differential is near five hundred and your record isn't. Generally, you're looking at a bullpen probably that has had some hiccups or or some other things. But the fact of the matter is, if they don't fix this, they will be a five hundred or sub five hundred team, and two hundred forty six million dollars in payroll will have gotten washed down the drain. Speaking of. The Padres, apparently Fernando Tatis Jr., who you knew was going to get it from fans, Yankee fans, who, by the way, are, as a visiting player, the greatest fans on the planet because they're smart. And the things that they say, I heard things about my mother that I never knew uh, in, in Yankee Stadium. I heard things about my family that I never knew and things about myself. They're smart fans and they're funny as hell, man. But the fact of the matter is they don't boo players that suck. So if you don't, if you're not worth it, they'll just dismiss you. Fernando Tatis is obviously worth it. Uh, well, apparently although were... lately, Kurt, I, I I was looking at the Padres because I knew we were going to talk about it in his last 10. He's batting 142. I would argue one has nothing to do with the other. I, I would argue that 142 is much more attributable to what we were just talking about as opposed to what we're talking right. about. Now. Right. But the Yankee fans were the funnest. They were by far the most enjoyable. I can remember... Just 
on the days that I didn't pitch, I had more fun with the fans behind the dugout than than any place else because they were just talking the biggest amount of trash. It became even more awesome after 04 because when we would go to Yankee Stadium and we were visiting, I wasn't pitching. They'd be yelling at me and blah, blah, blah. And I'd go to the clubhouse. I'd make sure to bring my 2004 World Series ring and I'd go put it on. And then I'd go out to the clubhouse and I'd do this and show it off. And the, the, the goal as a visiting player was to get all the fans around the guy you're after to start ragging him. I could do that. I was really good at that game. But I love them. I love them as visiting fans. I would have loved to have played for them. Philly fans in, in much the same way, but Philly fans had a little physical violence element to them. I mean, there's a reason that the Phillies put a, a jail in a courthouse or a jail and a judge in, beneath the, the stadium when they were at the vet because that stuff happened. And then on the other side, the worst fan base, only to be proven to be the worst, is Oakland. And there's no reason. They're moving for a lot of reasons. Oakland, I, I don't know if you saw this, Bill, uh, last night, a fan ran on the field and ran the bases and no one did anything. Yeah, he hopped back into the stands and ran back Security up didn't come out. Security didn't come out and nobody did anything. Yeah. Now, you know that's going to bring on copycat stuff, which is not good. But the fact of the matter is that that was more entertaining than the game to the people, the 66 people that were in attendance. What they've done to that organization is a crime, that ownership group. And then <laughs> Jorge Lopez of the Twins. I'm telling this story to get to a story that I wanted to share. He had a bad outing, a really bad outing. Didn't get anybody out. Two home runs, walks, balls all over the place, hit a guy. Uh, when he came back to the dugout, he went to pour water on his head and he poured Gatorade, which is, okay. Uh, anyway, he pours Gatorade, gets even more pissed, pours water on his head, and then punches the Powerade cooler. Apparently, it was the Powerade cooler's fault. Got me thinking about uh, irrational things that I did after pitching. I never punched and broke my hand. But I did a couple times. And the, the one, first time I did it in Cincinnati, I came out of a game. It was a horrible, horrible event. We were on the road. And I took a bat and I went into the bathroom. And I, I can tell you, I honestly had no idea that a bat, a wooden bat, went through porcelain that easily. I swung the bat at the toilet and it went through one side of the toilet and through the other, made a clean cut. And I first, I was like surprised. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. I was expecting it to reverberate or something. So then I ended up destroying that one, went into the next one, destroyed it. By the time I was done, the three urinals on the wall were just a little pipe coming out of the wall with water coming out of it. And then the three toilets were just pipes coming out of the ground with porcelain everywhere. I walked out of the clubhouse, uh, the bathroom to, and went to the clubhouse guys and said, listen, I'm really sorry. Uh, just tell me what it costs you and I'll add 10% as a tip. I mean, it ended up being like $28,000 to fix it, which I felt better after that. So, you know, I was going to say in the moment, you probably felt pretty good about it. I did. I did. It didn't, it didn't offset the horrible feeling from the game, but it did feel pretty cool to just ransack a bathroom like Arnold Schwarzenegger and, you know, true lies. Porcelain, by the way, is very easily breakable. I did other things. I did it in the tunnel in Fenway because in Fen or in uh, Wrigley field, they put a little bat mini urinal down there for players because so the walk to the clubhouse is pretty much walking through Yellowstone Park. And I broke that one and guys were pissing me for three days because they did the first game of the series and they had to they had to go up to urinate in the clubhouse because they couldn't do it in the toilet. So, yeah, those were fun times. So one of the things that uh, I think the NL East has to fear from Atlanta just happened. Uh, Michael Soroka came back after uh, a torn Achilles. He actually got his first loss. He threw six innings, got his first loss in three years, but it was uh, pretty much a win. He's had a series of, of injuries. He was called up from, from AAA Gwinnett. The Braves are leading the NL East to go against Oakland. And this is kind of mind-boggling to me. 1,030 days between outings. 
And this is not a starter. This is a top of the rotation ace kind of starter. Gave it four runs on five hits, struck out three, walked two, left trailing four to one. Oakland won seven to two for their 11th win in 56 games to stop an 11th game skit. He didn't allow a hit until the third, but quickly loaded the bases. Uh, and it emerged unscathed after getting none of the, to me, none of that matters. The fact of the matter is he's back healthy and pitching and just pay attention to his first couple starts because he's going to be out there giving max effort. You don't want anything to happen early because he, this is a level of competition he hasn't been at in three years. So his body's going to undergo some, some stress and strain that he can't replicate on a rehab. But if he's back and I hope he is, cause he's a special kid and he's fun to watch uh, uh-huh. the Braves. You you add that it. to Elder Strider well, yeah, Morton that, this and is the Braves, and you hear a lot of GMs talk about this. Like a lot of GMs will say in this situation, you know, I don't need to make a move at the deadline because this is I just quote unquote signed a top of the rotation starter, getting a kid like this back, um, and that's going to be I think it's going to have a big big impact on the NL East if he can stay out there. And I want him to stay out there. I don't you don't like to see anybody with that kind of talent linger or languish on the sideline. So. Exactly. All right, here's the deal. Uh, I think we pushed the boundaries of Showtime. I was going to do this today, but I'll wait and hold it for next week. The top five infielders that I ever played with, and I'll just tease with one name, Cal Ripken Jr., and I will give you that list, including some honorable mentions and people you might not expect uh, on that list, and people you might not know I ever played with on that list, Tuesday of next week. But until then, guys, God bless. Uh, Outkick.com. Spotify. Spotify under shows, click on shows and uh, the right hand column drop down menu. You can find out kick. You can find the uh, Kurt Schilling baseball show there uh, or on Spotify. So you guys have a wonderful weekend. God bless. I will catch up with you guys. Oh, and remember it's gay pride month, right? Our LGBTQ plus pride month that started uh, the first of June. They got a whole month. I'm not sure why, but okay. Good for them. We'll see you guys on Tuesday.